You're listening to the Mangroves to Mountains podcast, where we talk all things outdoors, hunting, fishing, paddling, camping, adventure travel, and more. Thanks for listening. Okay. Steve right. Kantner, how are you, sir? Steve Kantner, Steve Kantner as well. How are you? Doing well. We've uh, talked a bit lately on the phone, but I haven't seen you in years. It's been a while. Looking good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, better than I could be expected under the circumstances <laughs> yeah strange times we're living in but uh yeah 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 i think we met um well i had even before i moved to florida i moved to florida in 2002 but i had read some of your work in i think fly rod and reel and i was intrigued by fishing the trail and uh well, you it was, so invited that was the best synergy between you know the classic view of fly fishing and imitation everything had to be exact you were ready for it from the get-go uh but that was the perfect amalgam of what people let's say in the northeast the orifice people thought fly fishing ought to be and what it really was it's great i that made me as a fly fisherman and for for people don't know steve is known as the land captain among other things just yeah, yeah other things <laughs> depending uh, where you go the girls used to write stuff in red lipstick on you know on their on their bathroom mirrors yeah when i wake up in the yeah yeah when i had uh, girls when they had bathrooms when, <laughs> when they had two bathrooms thanks for asking me that good question <laughs> thanks for asking me that <laughs> yeah so um and then the one I was going to say, uh, when did you start? Where did you start fishing? Not when, but where? I assume you started young. I'll tell you the whole story, and I haven't told us for a long time. Um, when I was a kid, I was pretty cracked with a spinning rod, and we learned to fish on this local fishing pier in Lauderdale by the sea. It didn't have any of this Lake Worth Pier stuff. We didn't have African pompanos or bonitas or kingfish, or not enough of them to make a difference, but we had excellent tarpon fishing. And when I first started doing it, I had a Centaur Pacific reel, we all did. And those reels back in the day would hold about 150 pound, uh, yards. Uh, back then, I forget which was the first popular monofilament. It was Mason's, it was a West German monofilament. It would hold about 150 yards at 12 pounds. And that was it. And we had this little short pier. And if that fish got ahead of you and you didn't know how to use vectors, and how to pull him sideways or whatever, one way or the other, and get him something you hooked over here to run over here, you couldn't reel him in. No boat, no chance to follow him. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was Super Bowl, and it was always fourth and 12. And that's how I learned. And I'm very fortunate. The guy who's, well, he's long since deceased, that the pier was named after Anglin and the Anglin family. He was the equivalent. And there's still a few guys alive who remember him. He was the Sugar Ray Leonard of fishing, spin fishing. His hands were so fast. Um, this also lent well if he ever got in disagreements, which we had back then. We didn't have them with guns, you know, we, the old fashioned way. Sure. And he was, uh, you couldn't even see his hands move. We had, we designed tackle, it was different. He, in, he taught me like for example we didn't use these big long spinning rods we had we would always use like a seven and a half foot spinning rod the 20 pound test and it really had some guts 
But what we used to do is we would always shave the butts off at the end of our elbow and put those good crutch tips on there. So when it, nothing would ever, when you pass this across in front of your body, it would never catch. I see. And you had complete mobility in front of you. And all you did is you worried while you were thinking, you worried about the lower half of your body and where your feet were going. Mm -hmm. And it's, you'd be surprised what you can do. I mean, compared to a boat, of course, can run ahead of the fish or running yeah. up to the surface by going in a, you know, whatever. And then uh, what size I fish? I learned the hard way. What size fish were those? Are the big, big tarpon? Oh, God, I'll tell you, by the time I was, and I'm just, I, I hate to use the first personal pronoun here, but by the time I graduated college, I had caught probably close to between 50 and 100 tarpon from 50 to 75 pounds anyway. The 100 pounders, I had caught a couple of them. Uh, and I think a lot of that was when I either graduated college or whatever. But you were, we were nose hooking a live pilchard and throwing it out. And later, we learned to, of course, we used plugs for them. I say we. There weren't 10 people on the pier back then in the evening when these things would come by. And ultimately, when I really got into the fly fishing, I had and still have a couple of rods with shooting heads on there, floating shooting heads. And I learned to throw a fly. You would see one coming down the reef, like a 130 pounder and you'd throw to them and they'd get on there. And I remember back then I had my first, the first quadrant reel I had was I had a Finor wedding cake. But after that, I had a, a Jurassic anti-reverse. I still have the reel up here. And I mean, they'd go and go and go and go. And I mean, it'd be 300 yards of line and this thing would be greyhounding into, you know, never, never land. And we'd reel them up. I, we never land, never beached one, but I came pretty close. Wow. And then after that, of course, you know, I got a boat. And I fished out here in the ship channel. We actually caught them then, a yeah. lot of them. Mm -hmm. Very cool. There was nothing to it then, you know, in deep water. It's like catching an amberjack. And so many, so many more fish, I assume, back then, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, let's, let's be honest. I mean, we're you know, probably the greatest deterrent nowadays is um, a, I would say a shrinking resource. I would say a practically non-existent resource. When I write nowadays, I mostly write nostalgia and I write fiction because fiction gives me a chance to write all this nasty shit about some of these people who allowed the resource yeah. to achieve, to plummet into the nadir that it has subsequently all the politicians all the all the dipshit editors the ones oh, yeah. who are yeah you get it the I ones do. who fishing's great come on down but make sure to bring your liniment yeah and you know the are this beautiful resource falls in the dumper i mean what do we have here we have some fun and rock and roll i mean that's not, uh, there's not much left. And when they have to close the beach because of sewage spills, there's something wrong here. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, which part of this uh, didn't we figure out when it's, it, this didn't go overnight. It started going this way. And, and now it, it was, seems like it's just accelerated in the last 10 years to the last two years, three two years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And, I've got somebody that's going to come over here actually and test the water out here behind. I live on a, a river, I mean, South Middle.
Little river. People won't go in it. They won't swim in it. We're going to have it water tested and stuff. Somebody said, wait a minute, my internet connection is unstable. I think what it's probably doing is it's saying that I'm unstable, which at least, <laughs> at least there is probably some times two, an arguable proof of that. No, it's working now. There was a little bit of a, a glitch there, but it's, it's working. We got most of that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of sad what's happened. Very sad, really. Even in the 20 years that I've lived in South Florida, um, I've noticed, uh, and like you said, an exceptional uh, downturn in the quality of the water and, and the fishery in the last two, three years. It's really sad. Yeah, and the thing about it is, that the one thing we have today that we didn't have before, today we have a couple of these, how should I say, well-heeled scientists or citizen scientists who really understand the biology, who they've already made all the money they ever need to make in their life. And now the rest of it, they're doing, for, doing it for the gipper, uh, for the love of the game. And they are really speaking out about this. And of course, there are all these organizations, a couple have come to mind, and we have this massive lobby, this, this quote, conservation lobby here in South Florida. And man, I, 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 I can't swear to everything because I don't have, it's very hard to get this, to actually get records of what goes on, but I'm under the impression that every Monday morning, there is a shot caller who speaks to all these organizations at nine o'clock Monday morning. And uh, when you hear, you approach any of these guys that I don't want to name the organizations because I don't want to go through one of these, you know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean defamation suits, but the information is out there for each and one of your listeners to to look at. I, I don't want to get people to do say what I say. I want them to do their own research. Yep. But it's it's some of this stuff, it's like whenever you hear them talk, you got to look at this asshole who's who does the original thing and see, watch if his ass, if his Adam's apple moving or their Adam's apples move when when these people talk. God. Really. Yeah. It's That's... it's real scary. And uh I, sooner or later, one of these publishers, well, or very few of them left, or somebody is going to hear me speak. And of course, I'll get one of these, we can't accept any of your work anymore. Like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a challenging time for sure. Let's hope something happens that turns it around. I don't want to get into politics too much. But no, no, I get you. But I mean, for the, the for the good of the resource, this is neither yeah. left or right. I, yeah. I understand what you're saying. No, I was this just going to say that. Th I was just, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, like, with um, the governor actually seems uh, to care and actually has devoted some some money to it, to the, to the restoration of the Everglades. So let's hope... Uh, yeah, we're all not going to. Yeah, this guy seems to. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of lip service in the past, but uh, uh, I, like I say, I'm trying to avoid any kind of political commentary. But yeah. I can't help reflecting on what Elon Musk said about oh, uh, how you, who are you going to vote for? <laughs> Two words, Ron DeSantis. Yes, I heard that. Yep. 
Yeah. So um, the the, uh, the the land captain thing. When did that start? Just switching gears uh, here a little bit. Know, that's. I'm trying to think. Uh, when I first uh, came back from the service, I got a job working for a very an old line legal reserve life insurance company. Uh, Life of Virginia, and I don't mind saying it, the people were just wonderful. Some of them had worked for that company through three generations, but it was a job, how do they say this, that I was not suited for by training, education, or experience. I was not a business major. And I think I caught a case of telephonitis because I used to go at night. And, oh, this is when I'm first married. And I'm making cold calls and I just didn't have the heart to disturb people while they were eating their dinner. But the company was a wonderful company and they introduced a lot of good products. And we still, and I mean, I bought uh, two of them we still have in this house, but after a while, I just, this isn't what I do when I'm, I'm not forging ahead. And I wanted to do something that I thought I could do. And I, I remember, I was sitting in the office one day and it finally reached critical mass. And I drove home. I'd never been to a print shop before, but I sat with a guy and I made out a card that's uh, Steve Cantner's custom concepts for fishing. I didn't know what the concept was. <laughs> and John Donnell had given me an old 12 foot fiberglass canoe that the side was kicked in. And I learned to do a fiberglass repair. And the first day I had it working, I actually had a charter. I think I charged 150 bucks back in, took them out in the Everglades. Didn't know which end of the canoe to get in. We swamped it. We ended up catching a bunch of fish. The guys were laughing their butts off. I had three of us in a 12 footer and that was it. Oh my God. And oh no. And then, uh, and the deal about the trail. Now I remember going, uh, Jody Moore took me the first time over there, uh, and Jody Moore and Andy Deer, and I, there's all this, you know, bashing and thrashing going on, and you know, I'm using what I thought were standard flies, and I didn't realize about the necessity, you know, to imitate those gambusia minnows, and to have to have the fly push awake, and I didn't, I didn't do nothing. <laughs> anyway, I came home. I don't remember what I did. I probably got real drunk and swore at my wife or something. And that nothing, nothing inspires me more than failure. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't know how, I never, when I started writing, not that it's any good, but it's better than it once was. And all I'd ever written before was a business letter. Who knew? <laughs> Hemingway once said, somebody asked him, what can you attribute to, he said, well, you know, to a not inconsiderable amount of talent. I mean, in other words, he knew how to punctuate a sentence a little bit and a burning desire and an unhappy childhood. And I had never really thought about it, but there you go, ka-ching. And, oh, I remember I used to get these, what do you call it, would fire me for having a, uh, a this or writing for another company or having a radio show and stuff like that it's all communication i don't care yeah. if it's email or what you're doing here the podcast arguably is the wave of the future uh or what it is uh it's 
it's there's a difference between idiomatic nuanced writing obviously and that's why i'm trying to perfect that and you know take two churns of chenille and call me in the morning stuff you know and or doing these profiles like i did before you know you know what profiling 50 women was like okay i'm afraid to answer that have you ever uh, had a cyst i'm sure it was a joy no have you ever had a cyst it's like giving yourself one <laughs> oh i mean there were some wonderful ladies right i get it and you know i've lived through a very a major change in consciousness my wife is i don't want to call her a liver but she's worked her whole life even though she didn't have to and when i first started um some of these ladies uh really prevailed against insurmountable odds where they just couldn't get to the top of the heap i've got a story in this new book all about it called cat lady and you know we see all these babes with their kid you know everything else and it's like what gives here and the reality is these women are the winners they they prevailed against you know glass ceilings and all this kind of stuff sometimes in their when they retire and of course you know 20 years some of them are in their 40s and they find that cats are easier to get along with than people. And I cite some of the reasons for it, but anyway, this girl gets involved in civic activity and she ends up doing a major saving the world. It's a long story, but writing, nice. writing fiction is wondrous because you get to do that. And uh, if Amber Heard wants to sue me, she has to come here and hand me the, what do you call it, papers in person. Yeah. yeah, the Pirates of the Caribbean. I oh yeah, you made yeah. earlier. I just it it took a minute, but I got it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's no, it's it's increasable. Listen, I got to tell you, I have to tell you this. This one lady that I do Facebook stuff with, she sent me thing. Now we're talking the Fourth of July. It celebrates the independence of our country. It that cost millions of lives to have what we have here. Yeah. And somebody writes on there with this new stuff and this Roe versus Wade. I'm like, <sighs> oh, my God. choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do it. It's I don't think a guy ought to control. You know, how much do I have to do? Do I have to open a vein to prove it to you? But this woman said, I think we ought to cancel Fourth of July. Uh, there's not enough independence signed women. Oh, my God. <sighs> I need to. I mean, I may just need to just finish this drink on that line. Yeah, yeah. I, I Good mean, Lord, that's just awful. Yeah. yeah and, did you hear in in, Cal in in Arizona, there the a certain party has an F the fourth thing in in protest of the decision sending Roe v. Wade or sending you know back to the states from the federal government. F the oh. fourth. Like really? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> these people like you said earlier like these people died thousands of people died to enable us to have what we have today in america yeah. you know the women thing when i wrote that uh, tom Perro, the publisher called me and he said you live right down east from bothell washington he said you live down the street from the igfa i said i do he said you know some of these girls i said i do he said do you think any of them would talk to you about it 
And this was the same year or right around the same time that the US ladies soccer team scored that unprecedented first international win. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we, and there were other sports. And of course, Muhammad Ali's was his daughter, that wonderful lady boxer. And women were really equal or superior to men in many, many ways. And I thought, man, we're ready for this. I mean, it never made any difference to me about the only thing about, I mean, there is a polarity. I mean, generally men are more larger, more muscular. I mean, if somebody like my wife wants somebody to take out the garbage back when I was a little more hale, that was my job. Or to jack up a thing and change a tire, that was me. But there were things that a woman could do using her noggin that were probably way ahead of me. And there was all this, uh, and like, I never cared. I took females fishing mm. on occasion. I mean, when they booked me, and in fact, the general, as I recall, the, the point of the generalized perception of it was girls Vicky told me not to use the word chicks but I was younger then they're great because they actually listen to the guide yeah assuming that the guide they wouldn't hire the guide except the guide knows more about them than they do like when you go to a sommelier in a, in a restaurant and you know I'm going to have you know tornadoes bernays whatever what would you recommend as a wine right it's just a recommendation you know, you use your fly if that's what you want to do. But let's just until you get a little fish snot in your hands, use mine just in mm -hmm. the beginning. Let the guide guide. And then you go do what you want to go. And I don't care if you want to do handstands after that. But don't come yeah. crying to me when it doesn't work. Get the skunk off the boat first and then and then yeah. Uh, yeah. see where it goes. Oh, there I, I had the pleasure, the privilege of taking some really, really great female anglers fish and i don't mind mentioning her name that one girl is married to the guy who's uh, the sage designer that diana rudolph oh yeah mm -hmm. oh god she can throw a loop so tight she can put it in the mouse's ear wow i know and she's really good and funny uh, i hadn't <laughs> seen her in years and she came running up to me the first story she says dave, 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 dave. how are you doing and she'd had a bad patch she had a kid she had a little depression afterwards and she remembered, she said, you remember that story about the panther? <laughs> yes. And you and I talked about that. Uh, I was with Sue Cocking, formerly of the mm -hmm. Miami Herald, a great outdoor writer. Yep. And we were out, we were fishing that L whatever levee uh, uh, on the edge of Broward, uh, Palm Beach County. And we're looking and I, I was taking a canoe off, putting it water, putting it back or whatever. And here, off about 200 yards down the way, there's this big female panther. And cats can't see real well up close, but they can see real good off in the distance. And this cat, I don't know, if smelled my cologne or what it was. It was she was directly downwind from me, but here she comes. Wow. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm. And I said, Sue, Sue. And she's, I pushed her, she fell on the ground, and I kicked her in the ass, she got back in my old <laughs> Honda, and that thing, you know the thing on the side of a trailway where that dog, is, the hound is stretched out? Yeah. That thing came flying up the bank at about 800 miles an hour, and fortunately, I was back far enough, and I covered myself up 
I put my hands like this, like a linebacker, and the cat couldn't see it to make the impact and twisted in midair. I mean, if that was me, my vertebrae would have popped out and hit the ground and ran off back into the sod farm. I had to walk off and back of the car for 200 yards and drop my pants. I thought I'd crap myself. <laughs> no one could blame you. It's unbelievable. No, oh, no, that was I've never time. heard that I before. Snakes and yeah, bison and you know moose and everything out west and stuff. But that was that was, it was so fast and so bad. Yeah, yeah. I've seen three panthers in the glades in the times fishing out there, um, but none of them approached me. They're always either you know walking away or just like in the distance. But um. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, several a bunch of them actually. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Of course, we we, the state employs guys who've never seen one, the panther (laughs) darters and stuff. You know, you know, incredible. If you don't carry a gun or wear a uniform, they have fire employees. (laughs) (laughs) I remember um, one of the stories you you wrote about. It might have been fly rod and reel or i'm not sure you've written for a lot of publications but the one where the guy hooks <laughs> just fishing along the trail so for those of you that don't know we're fishing at times on the trail very close to the road so the road is like six feet behind not even like just feet from your back cast from your fly rod not even just your back cast and then you hooked one of your clients or did you hook a a passing vehicle <laughs> Oh, it would happen all the time. You know where that one little bridge is where the wire goes actually across from that one little island about a mile north of uh, 2992 Junction? Yeah. It was a set in a way. It was, pardon me, a high school principal um, who had a kid who was really good in shop class and dad and son. It was a nice relationship. They made this wonderful custom made this fly rod with a U-20 uh, silver, you know, what do you call it? A real seat and stuff with a rosewood insert, and all kinds of fancy uh, gobbledygook in there and everything else. And I said, watch out. And I, I told him, I said, now listen, you just wait another 15 minutes and the tide was dropping and the snook corral is going to start popping. Okay. But oh no, they couldn't sit still and they were throwing and they're, you know, the buying sickness, sickness, madness or whatever. And all of a sudden, he this this beautiful rod, custom rod they made, and they hang this car and it takes off and they had, I remember it was a, an anti-reverse, what am I gonna say, cup spool, you would know what kind of real, uh, really expensive, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and the thing takes off, and the reel flies out, and it's it's overrunning itself, and the reel is holding the rod, and it's going up and down between the stripper guy and the guy, like that, and, and sooner the thing overruns and it backlashes, and it. It's not funny. And it breaks the backing. It breaks the 20 pound backing, but not before it skyrockets surreal against a stripper guide with so much force that it rips the first two guides off, takes the tip of the rod off, and the reel in subscribe this 
parabolic arc. It goes like a hundred feet in the air, this aircraft grade aluminum reel and lands on the road. Uh, and it's absolutely slammed shut. And it's hissing and, you know, with the oil coming out of it and stuff. As I, I remember the term I used, frozen in a rictus of molten grease, a rictus, you know, somebody's death look or whatever. And it's laying on the road and it's hissing and it's moving all by itself, even though it's not attached to something. I go, oh my God. But <laughs> I, I feel so bad for those folks and particularly with all the work they put into it. Yeah. But don't always listen to the guide. <laughs> if he says, wait five minutes, go have a cigarette, go smoke yeah. a joint, do whatever. Take a leak. Yeah. Take a leak. Yeah. Classic. That, that was I, that's the worst thing I ever saw. And I wrote that somewhere. I was just so ashamed of myself. But, oh, I, I've had all kinds of stuff. I have one in this book where they go out on the trail and they have custom made. They have a, a manufacturer makes at their plant, makes this right. And these guys, you know, where they have the, and I, I spared you the scarf around the neck crap tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. None of that or the, the fan, the, the hat or any of that stuff. Right. I, I wouldn't go. And they had all that, you know, with the scare shirts and the vented, all this kind of stuff from out west. And I couldn't understand why it wouldn't, you know, and you, you know, you know better than I do that it's, we're entertainers. I mean, we, you know, the idea is not shoving the, something down somebody's throat. You're there to help them have a good time. Yeah, that's what it's about. It, hopefully on their own. You just want to help them do it. But it, it, man, it, and finally, it, you know, I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. And finally, after about a half an hour and time's a waste, and I said to one of them, I said, would you mind if I just tried this for a second? And I get it out there. But by this time in my life, I knew how to, lift with that really tight flick back there and I could really get a point on it and particularly in the absence of wind I could get up make a 60 foot back cat you know that was tight that mm. wasn't flying all over the place pinch that forward one of those little and it started going out and I did it two or three times and I'm trying to analyze real quick what could be the matter? And this is about the time that my eyelid, my eyesight started going bullshit. And I couldn't figure it out for a second. I said, you've got one chance at the brass ring or these guys are going to think they wasted a lot of money. Because by this time, I wasn't cheap. If you want to dance with me, it caught. Okay, we're good. Okay. And it finally hit me. I, I felt this, I felt it, I felt it, I felt it. And man, I had, to, I had to come up with something real quick. Whoever had filled this reel had wound, not the backing and stuff for the wrong hand, they had wound the line on, they had done the, this and put the nail nut on the wrong end. And it was a running line. They had a 10 weight rod, you know, on a 10 weight line, the running line's about a four. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, six, it's 60 grains or whatever uh, per foot, whereas a 10 is 210 grains. And I had to uh, 
I said, come on, help me. And we got that thing on the ground and I did a quickie, uh, you know, the knot to the backing and yeah. uh, a quickie uh, nail knot, and all that nail knot stuff. I mean, I don't, uh, there's a couple of, you get a good loop, a turtle knot will go once around and a half through, boom, tight. It's as tight as you can't tie your shoes that tight and trim it. Let's go fishing. And yeah. from there on out, boy, they were they were good casters. And see, that's the thing. I watched their hands while they were casting. And they this wasn't Chinese arithmetic to them. They understood how to do it. Yeah. And that's what I couldn't get. And I thought, oh man, be at one with Einstein, be at one with Emmanuel <laughs> Kant. And I got it. And I don't recall if uh, I'm sure I, I received a significant honorarium for that. And they received, they got their fins pricked or their hands pricked by a lot of fins that day. Mm -hmm. It was pretty cool. And they had to throw far. I mean, they and it like uh, the old guy used to say on that thing. They made it the old fashioned way. That was very satisfying to me. That, at two trips in particular, um, there was another time I took a blind guy fishing. And oh, I, wow. His, oh, no. His, his daughter called me. And he was a, I don't want to give him up, but he was a head of a major department in an Ivy League college. And mm. his wife or somebody was reading him my stories and she called me on the phone. They lived over in Fort Myers. She said, he's coming down here. Do you think you could do anything with him? And I mean, this was just bravado or something like that. This is, you know, like, where would you take Jennifer Aniston on a date? And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And, uh, I did it, and I don't ask me what the hell's the matter with me, but uh, we ended up, and he couldn't see nothing, but he really knew how to fish, and he had, as I recall, he had a split cane fly rod, and he, you know, which has, a, as you know, a different rhythm, and he really knew how to do it. And I'd get him to extend the line. I found him a place where there was plenty of clearance on this side where he could well, first of all, I could walk under the water, get him across the, what do you call it, the aluminum siding and walk him down there. And he could make that shot. And when he did, I'd say, Mr. Whatever, strip out a, another, a handful, okay. And I'd turn just a couple, move your, move your foot in, left foot out and that, 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 do the hokey pokey. And I got it, pardon me, where he was landing at, you know, 45 degrees, downstream cross stream right up next to the apron there tipping the water start now here he comes when i tell you now strip hard i had him put the tip in the water you know and it'd be on there he caught eight snook up to about eight pounds and he landed a freaking tarpon whoa and Unbelievable. his daughter came to get us and i used to always carry just some and I don't think I did it so much, certainly, I mean, about alcohol or whatever when you're fishing, but sometimes these people wouldn't, uh, you know, one beer is a good, you know, replenishment of salts. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you've done well, there ought to be a reward. So I'd have a bunch of waters in that. We had a, we drank beer and I, I met his wife or his daughter there at the welcome station and I hope that stayed with him the rest of his life. He's older now. He might probably do better than I am. Hey, Steve, I got to pause it there for a second. Um, Say when. Hey, guys, hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. 
When you get a minute, go to YouTube and check out Mangroves to Mountains Outdoors. It's a channel I started in 2008. There's bow hunting, uh, black powder hunting, fly fishing, fly fishing tutorials, hiking, paddling, you name it. So check it out when you get a minute. Mangroves to Mountains Outdoors. Thanks. Let's talk about the... Okay. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, we just got through the blind guy and a good time was had by all. Let's, before I forget it, let's talk about skunk apes. Because I've oh my never, God. ever, ever spoken about it before. And I told you that story on the phone today about when I moved out west and fishing that uh, tackle store I used to shop at. And the, uh, the guy, the proprietor got me fixed up with one of his customers, took me uh, to the upper reaches of this river. And this is not far from where I lived. And it was called the town of Spanaway, which is a, a, what do you call it? A Tacoma, a suburb. And uh, we were in the headwaters of the Nisqually River, which would be, uh, if you're in Lauderdale, it would be like the headwaters of the New River, except you're in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, to make a long story short, he caught what he wanted and he took off. And I was, I had parked way down this muddy road. You couldn't get through there. And I'm starting to walk out of there and I hear this clump, clump, clump. And I mean, I do have a biological education and I mean, uh, and I'm hearing this and I didn't know about the local flora and fauna, but they didn't have moose or elk there or any of this stuff. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, what is this? And I thought, wait a minute, oh, here's the, here's the balloon. <laughs> July balloon. I love it. Yeah. And Happy Independence Day. Yeah, right, wow. and right. And to all a good night. But anyway, yeah, but to make a long story short, I hear this thing and it sounds like just a big two-legged thing clomping along this tree line. There's this great big kind of V-shape uh, where the stuff had been cut out along the river. And the, uh, there was an Indian reservation back there. There were no, don't, uh, you know, trespass or any of that stuff. And I thought, oh God, this is probably somebody from the tribal council pardon me coming down to read me the riot act. And, you know, I, I believe the Indians got a bad break at, you know, up until the little bighorn stuff. I mean, I, I take their point of view. I just didn't feel like getting yelled at. And I'm beating feet out of there and I hear this thing clomping. Now I hear the noise I make and I'm 200 pounds and I hear this thing and I swear to Jim, sounded like it was 400 pounds and then I thought well I'll fix this and this isn't that far away from me that I'm getting an echo and I'd, I'd run like about 20 feet and it would run 20 feet and I'd stop and it would take one more step and I I thought it's my imagining this I pulled this about four times in the last time now this these trees are converging and this thing is getting closer and I bump, 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 and I'd stop and bop, 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 and it'd take two or three more steps before it could slow down. And all of a sudden, all the blood drained, and I took off running. And when I was younger, I could really run. And I sprinted. It must have been a half a mile. I mean, it was like running a 
no, got almost an 880, just running so hard. I was crying. I did, <laughs> and this thing is tromping after me and whatever it is. And I finally got to the car and I had my keys in my hand and I, and I got the door open. I threw myself inside. I threw the rod and reel on the ground. I had a little spinning rod outside. And I was afraid to look. And there was finally, when I did look, there was nothing there. And I picked the rod up and threw it in the car. And you know how, like, when you're backing out of mud. And I started hauling butt out of there. And I made it home. And I was married before when I was a kid, you know, uh, but. I said, I'm not going to tell my wife this. <laughs> I mean, are they going to come and the thought police are going to come and take a belt and put it around my waist and take me off to the nearest mental hospital? And I didn't say nothing. And I mean, she must have known when I got home. I mean, I was I was white as my fair-skinned wife. I was really scared. And I didn't say nothing. I didn't want to act scared. And about Three months later, all of a sudden, we lived on a road in Spanaway, which came from like, if one end is Puget Sound, the other end is Mount Rainier. And all of a sudden, it came over the news. That, I mean, you didn't have like 100 stations back then. And this, that, 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 we interrupt an alert um, and it stopped all traffic. Apparently, all these places like I live, we all you're up, everything's mountainous. And I'm looking out the picture window and up there, in fact, I'm gonna have this in there. Guy's got a real nice picture. He just summited, one of my Facebook friends just summited on Mount Rainier day before yesterday with his wow. kid, a really cool thing. Very cool. And he's given, sending me a picture to use, but um, everybody was like right up against this road and the backyard was, you know, off in oblivion. This, you know, out there, that's you're getting close to the Olympic Peninsula. That's real woods. And somebody apparently it was like the first day of spring, looked in the backyard, and everybody had vegetable gardens. And here this guy or wife goes and looks out the back window. And here's this family of, I call them Sasquatch. I want of a better. And the husband and the wife are there and they're playing and the kids are playing. There's two kids and they're digging up turnip turnip root, roots and eating them. And somebody called the cops. We didn't have Facebook and all that stuff then. And all these army lifers and stuff, ex-lifers, they're all got their fear of, we're going to get them on. We're going to kill something, you know, we're going to have another them in my backyard. And, oh, they must have had 50 or 100 sheriffs out there. They had the traffic blocked. This was for hours. And I mean, I actually, I lived this and now with the control of the media by and you ought to be able to see that but I never told that and um, you told me, I remember asking about it, and I never talked to anybody about it, but down here, because you know that when you go down to, when you go into Chukaluski, there was that one place, that one lunch joint, and they had a line drawing of a skunk ape or something. Oh, yeah, that. on the corner, yeah, yeah, yeah make I the thought. turn to Chukaluski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And you told me since then, I've heard, like I'd heard two stories then, uh, not what, but you told me you saw a man going to the John, a, a skunk ape, and somebody was going back scouting for deer and it saw the guy and it was naturally offended by being interrupted while he was conducting his toilet the thing kind of came after him. and the guy was so scared he dropped his rifle and ran to the right and they got right. the, the dade county cops and everybody over there and they found a rifle but they couldn't find anything and you told me that you'd heard a couple stories too yeah um i've actually heard four credible stories i won't go to all of them but the one that amazed me the most was um it was from a woman which you know um i don't know your opinion of dip Women never lie. So, but anyway, boom, boom. Um, so anyway, it was, uh, it was actually on Card Sound Road. So you go, you know, south on US, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So you make the turn onto Card Sound Road or you could go yeah. to the Keys on, on US 1 or whatever that is. And um, she said that she's, they were just driving towards like Alabama Jacks and on the left side of the road where it's really wild over there and it's undeveloped. Mm -hmm. And she saw she thought it was a bear like standing but upright and scratching its back um against a tree but it wasn't a bear i mean she got she was she saw clearly enough she was driving so she's they're going south her yeah. husband's in the passenger seat she sees this thing like just for a few seconds you know as they're passing it and she then close to the road i mean she got a really good look at it and yeah. this is in the summer so they did they went down where you know it's not a real safe road to do u-turn but they because of the traffic but they oh, turn no, around no, i've been out there i know what you're saying right? yeah it's like a racetrack and especially people coming back from alabama jacks after a few pops yeah, but yes, they, incidentally they don't hold the mensa uh deal there. yeah <laughs> yeah really yeah the south dade chapter but anyway actually steve uh the uh the skunk ape is one of the members but he yeah, heads it up but anyway they did the secretary recordings <laughs> they did a u-turn as fast and as safely as they could and it came back to that spot where that tree was and it was just gone but she swears to me she swore to me up and down oh, yeah, i no, saw it. it are very credible witnesses that's not I'm there not was no bear there aren't any bears down there there's no bears there's bears in the everglades but not east of or yeah east of card sound road okay I will tell you a story, and this was another one, and this one is like too weird. I had a guy with me. You remember um, 92, the one that goes, you know, over to Marco. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going there, and I'm partway over there, and I had a guy in, and I, I told you I've got this screwed up neck now. I had to get an MRI. You know, when you're driving in a car like that all the time, you're trying to keep your eye on the road at the same time, and you're trying to look your customer in the face because, you know, people like to be, you like to look eye to eye. And this thing comes out, I remember down, now this is not exactly where you and I went, but this is like about that. And here comes this thing out of the freaking water, standing upright, in the middle of the day, and it plods across the road. Now, I've seen a couple of bears, uh, but this thing was big, and he's way up there. He's not barum, barum, barum. He's standing there, and he's like boogieing across the road. And Jim, I sh shit you not, it's like it's like you took a, what do you call it, mop. This thing is soaked. <laughs> it's got 50 pounds of water on, and walks over to the water on the other side and disappears. 
And I'm looking and I don't think this guy and this thing, I'd stopped the car. There was no other traffic on the road about 30 feet in front of me. And this guy's talking to me and my head's going off like a pinball machine. And I never said anything about that. And I always wrote that off to, you know, those bears will stand up. And, you know, we just had that thing down here where they had to shoot that one up in Port St. Lucie. Yeah, I saw that. Senseless. Yeah, senseless. I agree with you. Yeah. But anyway, that's, uh, yeah, I heard. But that, that thing about they had it. And I don't know. I've looked at things now, you know, I say I'm getting older and my memory is probably, you know, memory is subjective. You know, you sometimes believe what you want to believe. But I noticed that with recalling some of this information for these stories, that my power of recall is very good. Mm-hmm. And I have not I have not caught myself in something that's really way off base about stuff and i've, I've seen I, i'll tell you what i also have seen i've seen two everglades minks out there i'm not talking about otters oh wow Actual minks. Yeah. i've never seen one. Oh, they're they're lustrous black pardon me they're about i don't know three feet long if that and uh i saw one at wootens and i saw one on up by you know where the uh oh what uh, uh where they uh, with the the Seminole Village there and the thing where you go and buy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up in there, up before you get to uh, Port of the Islands. Yeah, on the right side. Yeah, and other than that, have I ever seen anything that I would say weird? I know there's there's a lot of a lot of cougar. Well, I don't eat jaguars, panthers, cougars, whatever. Yeah, and there was that woman, pretty, who was on the game commission here for a while, and she had bought some property up there by. There's a big intersection, and she wanted to take the panthers off the endangered list because uh, she didn't want to, to have to pay these workmen to do a lot. I, I remember there was one. If you take the trail and you drive into Naples, there was one that used to sit there in the morning. A friend of mine, I, he was he actually was a an officer with LL Bean at one time. Uh, before hmm. he retired and there was one you know these big stanchions you know uh you know trigonometry arms country club or something like that and this thing this panther used to get up there in the morning while it, the traffic was moving like two miles an hour you know when they maples finally got admired and glue and everything went slow and sitting there and I used to hear them driving home all the time. The females, you know, yeah, you know, come hither. That's amazing. It's such a crazy place. Like I've always said about the, like the skunk ape or whatever you want to call it. If any place on earth they could exist, it's there because it's a million acres, not counting, close to a million acres, not counting Everglades National Park south of there. Yeah, I did a little research on cryptohominids and. Uh, uh, they're apparently the homo not hope sapiens but the there are a bunch of branches on the tree uh the chinese communist government thought enough about it to fund research there in the himalayas of course the university of oregon but i mean they fund anything you know no please free weed you know yeah. I mean, <laughs> free like, needles yeah free needles 
Uh, also, where supposedly really the most of them have been, there is a, a uh, Homo Heidelbergiensis, like Heidelberg, you know, University of Heidelberg, uh, right north of the, up in the Caucasus, right north of where all this nonsense is going on over there, and, you know, that we're seeing with these, you know, folks over there and uh, whatever, you know. It could, it could be that just somebody spotted a Turk. Yeah, Turk, I'm Greek, you know, so we, you know, it's skunk ape Turks. Hey, you told that was something about you. So you fish Greece. Yeah, that was incredible. Incredible. Just one of my lifetime dreams. In in the country of Achilles, these bums are shooting trout with a spear gun. Yeah, and and posting it on Facebook. Yeah, pictures like with 50 trout lined up like they're, you know, sardines but not sardines you know 22 inch sardines that are rare brown trout so they've been caught they've been prosecuted um but uh anyway the fishing there was incredible it's so so much so much like uh colorado like pocket water you know ice cold water um green is emerald green water like didn't look real it's like like something in like a disney like they'd fake the water like this this is how water should look in the mountains that's what it looked like and you know, catching trout up to twenty-one inches, twenty inches on um, on cicada patterns, size two, and they're just oh, man. crushing and, them. Uh, like, Six weights. I got to see the West while it was still rocking, and I got to see it on a beer budget. Vicky and I went out there, and it was just so fortunate that the first time we went to Yellowstone uh, was when she could get a vacation. She used to work for the courthouse and. Me, I worked for that insurance company, but I'd been there about a hundred years. You know, they didn't care. I was a commission agent. You know, you don't mm-hmm. sell anything. You don't make any money. And of course, you have renewals. But we went out there. I didn't really know the exact cycles or whatever. But we got the Buffalo Ford on the Yellowstone, which arguably is the most psychotic for just for trout in the world exactly the time that those Yellowstone cutthroats that run up out of the lake and they're 18 to 23 inches, all of them. There's no little ones. And they're in that one area. I just learned to tie. Sorry, go ahead. I had just learned, hold on, let me move this here. I just learned that I had just learned how to tie no hackle patterns. And those fish all had, you know, postgraduate degrees. Yeah. And it was psychotic. I mean, you couldn't put it in the water. And I I, I thought that I don't want to do this anymore. It's like the guy you take bone fish and he gets one, you know, he gets a tailor on the first cast and said, okay, done there, been there, done that. <laughs> you know, I won't get another one until 2023. But, the, you know, it's like, oh, that was easy. Yeah, let's let's switch gears again. Sure. Circle back to uh, tackle, and especially yeah. flies, because I know a lot of the listeners are fly tires, and and um, you have some interesting patterns and interesting names for patterns. I think you had a. Well, let's let's talk about the trail first. What's your? You don't have to give away your secret fly, but what what do you like? No, no, it's it's okay. There's no secrets. I'm, I'm, I'm I feel very blessed to be able to have prosecuted a living doing this. I don't mind sharing. 
The one that I've done very well with is called a rivet. And it is basically, I call it a rivet because it looks like the rivet. It's gray uh, in the, uh, you know, with the siding there. Mm -hmm. And basically it's a, a, I use either like gray or, a, you know, that really, really thin uh, doll hair. And I dot it with a magic marker, three sets of dots. I have a, a gray marabou collar and a gray deer hair head. And I don't dress them, but the thing bulges. It's, I don't want it going push, push, push across the surface. If I want that, I'll use a slider. I'll use another. And that has never let me down. Now there are times that, and this happens only rarely when there's like, when those minnows are so thick in there, they're like baleen. Like with these whales and with those things in there, they're just straining them. And that Connor thing, that's when he and I used to fish here. I used to take one of those flies. I was not, frankly, I suppose I shouldn't say that. The fly, uh, if you put a leader on there, they were, they, it wouldn't, the hook wouldn't keel it. Right. Uh, and it would come sideways. Too light. Yeah. Yeah. So what I used to do was, uh, the one time I used to grease, I'd spit my leader and my fly, spit it about four inches of it. So you, you wouldn't, get, and I'd get just a little bit of fly snot on there, you know, floating on the rest of it. And I'd throw that thing out and let that come across like a, like an emerger, you know, in the current where the, what do you call it, was hanging down a little bit and not moving at all. And you're just going along with it. And these big snooker just wallowing in there and fly. And all of a sudden you see boing and your leader point would twitch and start to move and just raise the rod and there he'd be. Awesome. And I assume yeah, that was that was some that was some cool corrective therapy. That was good. We caught other stuff there. We got to, at different times. Uh, we actually did catch some big redfish in the trail, not very many. And also on that road, it goes down uh, 92 or whatever. I can't, I'm not sure if I ever caught a trout launching a canoe down by where that opens into Naples Bay or whatever. Uh, I've seen bunches of once or twice black drum on the trail, great big black drum. Wow, uh, never seen that. Yeah, I've seen... Uh, I've seen those big mohara, bunches of them spawning. And that's where you have to have a perfect little fly, these shrimp imitations. And I tie them two ways with, uh, uh, what is it, antron. One where the horns go first, one where the tail goes first. Hmm. And the one you twitch in front of them and they'd come up and take it. The other was where I'd take, I'd have the first part of the leader, I'd have no leader knot on. And this is when they got really weird. The snook did underneath the bridges and it was all really soapy water and boom, boom, boom up against the, the pilings and you'd be down in the water. And by the grace of God, I never ended up catching, you know, monkey pox or something waiting around in there. <laughs> or but an alligator. It, have a itty bitty little switch and that fly would sink down while the indicator, I had the thing out of it, just, just a hole in it. I'd widen the hole. Go sink down like this. And he said, you know, bop, 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 bop. And you see these little crash room jumping. And he just raised the thing up and up would come that fly towards the surface, towards the indicator. And boing, and you'd have one. 
That Holy was cool. Cow. And the other thing I really hesitate, I'm going to tell it because my lies can follow me into my grave or whatever, but um, I swear a guy that was with me one time using a jig hooked about a 15 pound permit and had it on for a really long time screaming up and down the canal and i know novak when he fished over there you know where those all those and i mean i have all the maps and everything where all those bridges and they empty into the bays and stuff and he caught two he caught a 12 and a 14 pounder with a customer up against the mangroves so who's to say i mean uh, and of course in the winter time when the water would get real clear and stuff and in too cold for bass and whatever, and tarpon, you would get when it's all, it, it, the water level was, I can't remember, it was, it, it was at the time starting to go down, but we'd get those, I call them marsh bass, freshwater bass. We get some big ones, five, six pounds. Oh, wow. They wouldn't hit a popper. They had to have a little, little minnow, you know, and yeah, and you just barely move it. They boop. And they'd eat it like Mr. Creosote with a, pardon me, a thin mint. Yeah. It, that, the bass are some of the harder, the, the bass are out there, at least for me, are some of the harder fish to catch. Oh, yeah, they are. I don't know yeah. what it is, but they're they're selective. The tarpon and snook are easier to catch for me anyway in clients. I believe those bass are a subspecies. I believe. They can also be found in the, somewhere up in Pensacola in those estuaries and also in North Carolina, you know, way back in, you know, as you go up into Tadwater, whatever they call it, mm -hmm. and nowhere else in the world. You got, you got to talk about that sh the shad fly that you tie. The, I'm, oh, I'm okay. Yeah, I just wrote about <laughs> it yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's awful. I, I don't, I, I hope we don't. We, we like awful. That's good. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> I, I fell in love with anadromous shad because it was as close as, you know, somebody, uh, you know, of my limited means could get to anadromous fish. And I've really done a lot of research on that. And I would do stuff and it made a difference. I had four flies I'd use. I had, you know, the standard was, you know, silver tenille or chenille body. Uh, you know, hot orange tail, hot orange hackle, and the, uh, what do you call it? You know, the bead eyes. And mm -hmm. I, these were just bead chain eyes. I, see, I never believed, the only time I would ever add weight to a fly was little tiny, uh, if I wanted it to nod, if I wanted to get a fly down, I would use a sinking line. You know, all this, if you want a jig, for Christ's sake, use a jig. Yeah, you know, there's no right. shame in it. Use a jig. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, uh, getting back to that, uh, we, we used to go there, and at best it was dredging. This guy, uh, God rest him, he's no longer with us. Um, Phil Woodham and I, I met him up there, and we found we fished a bunch of different places, uh, accesses on the St. Johns River. And we started doing some research and we found that there were places where you could get these shad to come up. I'm not gonna say on top, but closer to the top. And after there was actually, there's a shrimp fishery where the St. John's widens, you know, you know, as it goes, I forget the 
town there and stuff like that. They used to have a, a viable fishery there. So we started out, well, we were using muddlers and making them wake. And oh, we'd catch two or three shads on the top like that with this bulging fly. And we thought, we're on to something. And finally, after much ado in a couple of years, we came up with this, this little red deer hair cigar with a flat bottom on a number 14 long shank hook, bright pink with a little, little itty bitty short, what do you call it, tail, marabou tail. You take them and I forget if I used to grease that thing or not. You throw it and you actually just move it across the surface. And Connor, uh, you know, when it, of course, Connor always, you know, would assume the platform because we were trying, it's his boat, trying to show him. He'd lose his shit. These things would be gone across the surface and all of a sudden out of the clear blue sky, this three pound rose shad would be four feet in the air with it. It was the neatest thing he ever saw. And, you know, I needed a name for this. And here's this garish bright pink, pink thing. And I thought, well, we'll call it uh, um, Little Richard. You know, after that flamboyant rocker of the 50s and 60s, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was going to tell Aunt Mary, Uncle John, you know, okay. Yep. And I went on and, okay, the insider thing about that is, beg pardon to any ladies who hear that, where I really got the idea for that is, I used to drink beers with my buddy, who still lives here at the tennis club, and he had a little boy, a chihuahua, and you know how boy dogs are, and they're always sitting there. Their legs played and they're always cleaning themselves and their lipstick comes out and stuff lipstick. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't record. advertise that. That's classic. I've never yeah, forgotten yeah, that. Some of my, yeah, and the mullet flies, the MS7, <laughs> the East Point Monistat 7 and stuff like that. <laughs> I hadn't heard of that one. That's good. So I just I just found I went actually to the orifice orifice shop today and here in, in Raleigh and um, really nice young guy working there and he was so like I was like I, I just moved here I need info on fishing you know just around you know I've seen the News River there's the Eno River west of town yeah. and we just started talking fish and he said I was so I've been so jacked since I heard this piece like you can go to the News River right now with a little popper a three weight, four weight, whatever rod you want to use and catch 50 bluegill on fly today, but go right now and you can do it. But we, so that was one thing that got me fired up. But you said, you know, there's also a shad run here in March. I was like, what? It's like, I've, I've oh, never yeah, caught a, yeah, I've never caught a shad. And he, and he was talking about sinking lines and all this. And I, that's what made me thinking about, think about the little Richard fly and how you'd done really well with that. Also on the St. John's stripers. And stripers. Also, yeah. 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 I'll yeah. tell you who knows about that. Is Marty Arostegui. His wife uh, just had some excellent fishing up there. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, on floating lines and fly rod. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. So, oh, the other thing too is, um, and this will get into another story. Um, they have uh, these lakes here that have a lot of carp, common carp and grass carp and yeah. mirror carp. But this guy fishes a lot for, for um, common carp, just like bone yeah. fishing or fishing for redfish. 
And that's like five minutes from where I live. So like, like oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, sometimes they, they hit good. And something I'll tell you about that, that I know I've got some videos. When I first started, you know, being the land guide, all of a sudden I had a lot of new friends because they all wanted to, you know, uh, latch their tail on this and stuff. And I have videos of this back when we used to have VHS and stuff. I think a mirror carp is nothing but a, a genetically flawed uh, common carp, Cyprio, whatever, that doesn't have all the scales. But what I wanted to tell you is there are times when, number one, when the carp go in the shallows and they root for insects, okay? And the other thing is when crayfish spawn and they really go ape shit then with crayfish flies. You can throw it to them. You can spot cast them. Oh, that's that's. I mean, a... they're big nasty fish. I mean, they. I mean, you know, for somebody who's accustomed to catching, you know, black nosed dace or some damn thing. I mean, they're a big deal. Yeah, you said they. Carolina. I mean, you got all kinds of stuff. I mean, they got bonitas off the beach and everything. Yeah, yeah. He said he they you know regularly get pulled into their backing and. So, and use seven and eight weights for them. So, yeah, yeah I'm psyched. It's, it's good. Good, good to hear. Very excited about that. Yeah, no, you're going to have fun up there. And uh, now look at it this way you made a, you, you escaped right ahead of the COVID. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, people are still wearing masks up here. I saw a guy riding a bike yesterday with a mask on. Oh, man. <laughs> well, we don't need to get into yeah, that. Yeah, you do. Because you don't know where they're from. Oh, that's true. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Where, where did you hear that? But Vicky said, saw a guy ride a motorcycle with no helmet but a mask on. You know what that's like? That's like a single guy going out on a date all by himself in a car with a, you know what? Yeah, we're on, we're on a. Like, come on. That had to be for, that had to be a gag. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. We invented it here. If if it could be treated, uh, we have it. Oh, he has. Uh, he's he's probably the. What did he call him? The recording for Mensa. The uh, recording secretary for Mensa. Sorry, secretary for Mensa. In Broward County. No, oh, no. It's yeah, yeah. It's it's indescribable. <laughs> Thing, well, yeah, the things, the, the shit you see when you don't have a gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, you know what you and I have to do? I got to get you to swap these things with my buddy Lunker Dog down here. There's a lot of stuff that he could turn you on to also. Oh, cool. Uh, that Jeff Maggio. And, you know, that's, let's be honest, the podcast is a wave of the future. You turn on the TV. And you get a two-minute soundbite about, you know, somebody shot Zelensky. I mean, it's like you don't hear anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where this stuff, you get to really, and if somebody likes who or what you're talking about, I mean, you really get to hear something. Mm -hmm. And they get to make their own mind up. It's it's a lot different. It's not force-feeding. Exactly. Yep. That's what I like about it. That's why and I said when we were... a good interviewer. I, I, I'm enjoying this. Excellent. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. This is the that. most fun I've had with my clothes on for a while. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, we'll you know, do it. About, you know, I've got a new book coming out. Yes. Yeah, so what's the name of it? What's well, the this title? Is what all the, the Fox guys say. This one is titled The Longest River. Oh, I like that. 
and it's a collection of 30 short stories, longer ones this time, um, uh, kind of no holes barred, a lot of fictional stuff that really smacks at the heart of it. And it, it harkens back to when you and I first got our feet wet with this and what a, what a wonderful world this was. And, and hopefully I write it not just to make a, a big buck, which may or may not ever happen, but rather to perfect my craft as a writer and mostly to maybe inspire some of these young bloods to get up their lazy ass and get out of the mother's basement and go do something, go to a, to a polling place, go to a city council meeting and start screaming about. I mean, when I go take a shower now, I live in a sophisticated a condo and stuff like that, the water, and I mean, Jim, I know the difference between iron water, okay? I mean, this stuff is, it's manure water, right down oh. the street here. Oh, no, they Okay, we're good. Roland, sorry about that. Sorry about that. No, the no, fine. Listen, I would perhaps, okay, you would ask me, yes, I have a new book. It is a collection of short stories. It's longer than the last one. This is not so much self-publishing as it is independent publishing. You know, self-publishing, you know, I can write anything I want. There's somebody who'll print it for me. I would like to believe that what I'm doing conforms to some standards. I have a print shop. I do all the editing myself as well as writing the stuff. And there is a print shop up in Akron, Ohio, 48 hour printers who, with whom I've had excellent uh, liaison that are doing this. But uh, anyone who needs to know or wishes to know about any of the books I've written need only go to my farce book account, which is Steve Land Captain, one word, Kantner, K-A-N-T-N-E-R, to see them. And they're all available, all, all of, except this last one, not this one, but the one before this Hot Licks, Peacocks and Pricey Perfume. That was the first independently published book. And I, I, I have a, what's called an ISBN number and a barcode and everything. This is a real deal. I'm a publisher now. I could sell them if I want to, to stores. The odds of me hobbling around, schlepping these books to marine stores are the odds of me taking a handful of fissible material and sticking it in my mouth and biting on it and watching the neutrons blow out my ear. Period. I'm not doing it. But yeah. If, if you want, if anybody wants to get some of this stuff, and I'm actually, I'm getting good reviews on it. Uh, it's there. These books are reasonably priced the expensive one the table book is like a 60 dollar deal you have to go to tom Perrow at wild river press you'll see it anybody who follows this will see it he's currently in alaska but he's out in out by seattle and washington i forget the whatever where he lives but the rest of this stuff you can go to you can get it at amazon off of this off of that uh, but this new one, uh, uh, 
hot licks, as in der, 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 der. Uh, peacocks, we know what they are. You and I caught enough of them. Uh, I went to Brazil to catch some big ones and pricey perfume. When I was a young man, before I got married, I also uh, had a interest in young ladies, uh, and uh, it's in there. And it's it's not pornography, but some of the stories they do smack of alternative lifestyles, and it's it's all I think positive stuff that has a message for everyone. Yeah, that, that, uh, the reader. that, uh, that title is so provocative. I love it. I have to read that one and you can get that one through Amazon or is that through, through you? No, or that's through me. That's through, through you. Me. And I still have a few. I have, I don't know, maybe 30 of them left. Mm-hmm. And you know, it really kind of pisses me off. These people, you don't, you can call me, you can email me, even if I don't know you, you can ask me a question. I'm not going to map mark a map for you because I don't think that's fair to other fishermen who are putting in their time. But you want to ask me a question about this and that. I mean, an in-depth question, I'll help you. But don't try to bag me, you know, by saying, oh, I bought this one or that one. And, you know, so you can kind of you know, like I've got cats, you know how they do it. They rub against your leg. So you like them. And you say, oh boy, I, that, I really don't like that when I have like X amount and I'm still selling them and I have people who really do want them. And if you want to buy one of those for me, I don't care what the rule is somewhere else, cash, check, money order. And there's no one alive that can't go to a Publix and get a money order and send it to me. I don't, I put my wife through enough misery here. She takes these things and from now on, there's only one way we're sending them out. In fact, I tried to stick to this and that's USPS, Postal Service, Priority Mail, flat rate, $7. We track it and I know you get it. Uh, None of this trying to save, you know, five bucks or two bucks or whatever by going, having her schlep down to the post office and media mail and all that stuff i mean i i you know i don't buy cheap bourbon and i i don't like to take care of my customers cheap (laughs) yeah exactly so any fishing plans coming up well yeah like i say i don't get around so well anymore i've been diagnosed with parkinson's i did go out in the everglades one of my pals took me out in the boat uh i refused help I had to crawl down the dock and get into the boat. I had a, it was funny. I had two lady, young girl, martial arts uh, competitors help me. They saw it and they were moved by heart and they helped me. They picked me up, got my ass under me and I stood up and they, my friend was holding the boat and holding the ropes. I got into the boat, but uh, I figure I earned that trip. I had a lot of fun Uh, fishing. I've got, a week from tomorrow, uh, I'm actually, I've been, I was a member for many years of the ancient and august sports fisherman of Broward. 50 years ago, I joined. They're having wow. their 50th anniversary. And I am being honored with Dr. Gordon Hill and Dr. Bob Andre and Bob Oliver uh, and and Mike uh what's his name from the IGFA, uh, the five of us are being honored there. And I'm, 
very flattered, very honored by that. I'm going to that dinner. That's awesome. When is that? That's the, that's, it's just a private dinner. It's on July, okay, the 12th. And, you know, ironically, the dinner is being held at the Episcopal Church. I happen to be an Episcopal congregant where I was married to my first wife. And my, when they first told me about that, I said, oh, no. I said, <laughs> you know, the marriage didn't work. <laughs> Facts stranger than work. fiction. Yeah, no, no. I mean, but whatever. It's a very, it, to me, um, I'm so happy. And I, I like to tell, and I do this every so often, it probably find, it sounds corny, but some of these folks, these, these aren't all these millionaire lawyers and stuff, and they call me or they email me and they say, I bought your book and I really appreciate, and you really told me some stuff and I really like it, whatever. And I, I it just, you know, that's one of the reasons I do it. I don't care about, you know, this rich bitch culture. They, they can do whatever they want. But it, this makes me feel like I'm there for the right reasons for a change. Absolutely. Well, Steve, this has been really fun. I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, I liked it too. hope we can do it again because I, I, I have a feeling so you I. have more. I have a feeling you have more stories. No, <laughs> okay go ahead anyway thanks i really appreciate you taking your time with this no it's been fun and i just getting back in touch with you has been fun too through the phone conversations you've been a a mentor to me and and uh, i i really respect your writing and your fishing skills are top notch as good as it gets and i was thinking um earlier today one of my favorite movies i don't know if you've seen it with uh peter o'toole it's my favorite year. Do you remember that from the eighties? Anyway, no, but I love O'Toole. Yeah, there's a great line in it, and he's. Long story short, this kid that kind of follows him around says, um, "You know, he, he's, Peter O'Toole is playing this famous actor, supposedly like um, uh, uh, Flynn. What's his name? Uh, the actor Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn is yeah. based loosely on his life, and he said, um, yeah. "You know, you were married five times. How, how, how does a guy marry five women?" you know, over the course of your life, he goes, son, I didn't marry them. They married me. Oh yeah. No, that's like <laughs> these girls with all this screaming and all this kind of stuff. And he took advantage of them and all that. No, they, it's the other way around. We didn't take advantage of girls. They, they had something to say in it too. But, but I feel like the connection to that for me is that, you know, you know, a lot of famous, famous anglers, but they also know you and you're, yeah. you're as good an angler or better than any of these famous names. That's very kind of you to say, but it's absolutely hundred percent true. Nice meeting you. Nice you meeting too, Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. I really okay. appreciate it. Thank you so much. You got your handfuls editing this. I'm sure. <laughs> That's all right. That's all part of the fun. Anyway, take God care, bless Steve. You, man. Go you with too. God. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.